Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, tea, kombucha, juice, iced tea, hot tea in the fridge. Well, I don't know why there would be hot tea in the fridge, but whatever. F it. So for everyone out there on the internet today, thank you for being here with us. I am joined by a new friend, someone who I met a couple of weeks or months ago. I don't know. Whenever Rialto Street reopened, we'll get into it. This one's for the north side, everyone. Please make some noise for my friend, Jehosha Wright. There'll be some like fake applause I put in yeah, here. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be the production level will be real tight. Understood. Jehosha, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still laughing in my head about the hot tea in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you just say things out loud and then like after you say it, it's like, why the hell did nah, I say that? Technically, you could have hot tea in the fridge <laughs> because it can be like tea that wouldn't be good cold. So uh. you would recommend that it'd be hot. So if you came to my house, it's like, you have to heat that up. Got it. (laughs) Got it. So hot tea could be in the fridge. Have you ever reheated tea in the fridge? Is that something that people do? You know, I did some silly stuff recently. It was like, uh, I drink a lot of ginger tea and a lot of herbal tea, and I drink a lot of teas with no caffeine. So if I want to get tea with caffeine in it, because I can't drink coffee, it'll it'll get me too gone because I'm already like kind of a live wire. Um, I would have to walk to Commonplace, which is right like by my house. But I didn't have time to walk to Commonplace. And I had this like uh, pure leaf green tea in my fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it had some caffeine in it. So I poured a little in my ginger tea and like heated this naturally like cold tea. up. I mean, it didn't work out well, but it's, it's still in my fridge. I mean, it's been in there for like a couple months. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, Jehosha. Mm-hmm. You are a human being on planet Earth. You are interested in things that human beings are interested in. And Mm -hmm. you're also interested in some things that maybe not all human beings are interested (laughs) in. But that's what makes you a unique individual. So I met you, as I mentioned, a couple of... We'll say it was a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I really don't remember. And you were dressed very nicely, walking around, introducing yourself to members of the community. Mm -hmm. Because you fancy yourself as a some sort of a uh, fancy <laughs> pants type person that <laughs> wants to dress nice and introduce themselves to the community. Gotcha, gotcha. But what 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 specifically are you doing? Um. So when you met me, I was on the uh, campaign trail for uh you know uh, an elected official position. A d- district judge sounds fancier than what it actually is. So <laughs> I'm a magisterial district judge, right? So this is kind of like the the lower level judge, but it kind of handles the more um, I don't want to say important things, but very direct things related to uh, your community and your neighbors. Like if your dog bit my dog, you'd be coming to presumably me if I get elected <laughs> okay. fully in November, right? Okay. Um, so this is really important stuff, but important only to the people who are coming in there. No one else knows about these things they're coming in for. So it's like driver's licenses. If someone's getting evicted, uh, someone's dog bit someone else's dog. If a tree fell on somebody's car, like they come to see 
your district judge. So did you happen to find out about this position through an unfortunate circumstance of your own where maybe you met somebody in this position? You're like, this is a job. I want to do this. How yeah, did you find yeah. out about this? What made you want to do it? <laughs> it is a random position. Right? Yeah. It seems really random. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So I think everybody finds out about this position through uh, some sort of un- uncertain, uh, unfortunate circumstance yeah. right like it, it's this is not something that you're growing up saying like i want to be a district judge that sounds so fun let's <laughs> let's mediate a dog situation like uh-huh. that that's not something that people do right like so uh for me it was when i was younger um and it's it's no secret to anybody i, I kind of had a different lifestyle when i was younger uh, my dad's like really blue collar uh my mom was struggling with like mental illness so uh, our house was kind of a a loving house, an awesome house. I wouldn't change anything, but it was a dysfunctional house. Like it just was. Uh, so when I first ran into uh, the district judge position or understood the role, uh, at least a little bit, it was when I wasn't going to school. Um, and I wasn't going to school for a lot of different reasons. But when you don't go to school for truancy, you go see this, this district judge. And it depends on who you get uh what type of results you get uh and in my case um when i went to see the district judge it was more of a open and shut type thing it was like a hey how you doing why aren't you going to school okay i'm not gonna find your dad i could but uh let's just suspend your license you know right now let's well you don't even have it yet you're like yeah you're like 14 and let's let's just go for it let's just suspend your license and that's when i first met a district judge and understood like, whoa, there's real uh, consequences for stuff. Yeah. And uh, of course, at the time, I didn't even understand or care because we were like, to me, we were poor. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be driving and I'm not going to get a car anyway. So go ahead, bucko, you know, <laughs> suspend my license. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that was my introduction to it. But over the years, I've matured and realized how important this position was. Absolutely. So you decide that, you know, this is something that you want to do with your time. I imagine at this point, it's something that you want to do with free time because Mm -hmm. you probably have a crazy life outside of all of this, right? So outside of the district judge life, Mm -hmm. who is Jehosha Wright? Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. I always say that, like, I'm living my bee life. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I feel like anybody who's not in the arts, not in entertainment, not in some sort of creative form of living, um, fully creative, because I can be creative with the magisterial stuff, the district judge stuff, but that's more of a, I need to do this for the community (laughs) type thing. Um, so, and that's why I call it my B life because it's not something that I'm like, I just, oh, I want to be district judge. Oh, I just, I, I love this idea. Like, no, I need to do that. I need to do that. I have the capacity to do it, so I need to do it. So I always think my A life is more along the lines of arts and entertaining and things like that. I really think I was destined for that. But uh, the way the world's set up, it's just, it led me to there. Um, so yeah, man, uh, I don't I don't know if I'm answering your question correctly, but I'm like, I'm, I'm into a lot of different stuff. I, I play a lot of video games. Uh, I used to sculpt. Uh, so I made some pretty, pretty okay sculptures. That's cool. If this was a Renaissance, I'd probably be like a rock star sculptor. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd probably be like, <laughs> like a dignitary, you know? Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whenever we first met, I think we headed off because for some reason we started talking about music mm-hmm. and that was, you know, 
I feel like we talked more about music and art than, you know, uh, any yeah. sort of uh, political or judicial sort of conversation that mm -hmm. maybe you tend to have with people, you know, when you are out and about and introducing yourself to Absolutely. people. What are those conversations like typically when you're introducing yourself to people? You mean like on the campaign trail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to talk about that. Like, like nobody's like waking up and saying, I wish this magisterial district judge candidate knocks on my door so uh -huh. we can talk for five minutes. Nobody, nobody, yeah. nobody cares. Uh, the most useful thing I found when talking to people on the campaign trail and a friend had to like smack me upside the head and remind me that because, uh, remind me this because I'm so, sometimes I get in a cerebral mode and it's like, well, I'm running for district judge. I have to explain this. I have to do this. I have to have an elevator pitch, 30 seconds, four minutes, whatever length it is. I have to do it and be cerebral about it and get them the information when really nobody cares. <laughs> like, sure. like there's a few, like if there's a percentage, yeah. right? There was a pie chart. The percentage of people who care about what I'm knocking on their door about is like 20, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and that's rough. So the conversations typically go like, I am trying to meet people, like actually meet the person yeah. the best way I can. Yeah. So how do I get them to talk about themselves so I can actually talk like a normal person with them and not some random dude on their door? Yeah. So all the conversations go me searching for um, a commonality or uh, how just regularness. Can I get it to be regular? And also, while not relinquishing uh, uh, my perception of being competent. Um, so you can't be too cool. Yeah. Because uh, then you'd seem like, oh, well, I wouldn't want this guy to be my judge. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. You know, so coming from this background of being interested in arts and music and sculpting, these are all things that can be somewhat isolating. In a way, you know, like you kind of are on this independent journey of discovering things that you like, right? Mm -hmm. And I have found over the years that a lot of my artist friends tend to be like introverts that whenever they want to mm. become like they start wanting to actually get their music out there, then they have to tap into this extroverted side of themselves that they never had to tap into before. So what was it like for you, you know, going into this just as like somebody it's like, well, now I'm going to go walk around and knock on people's doors and bother neighbors mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i grew up in a neighborhood where i would never want to knock on a neighbor's door because it was just like that's not what you do yeah right and yeah. i don't know what your background was like but it was like was it an easy thing for you to do did you already find yourself to be somebody that was interested in just talking and meeting with people mm -hmm. or was it more of the along the lines of like i i, I don't want to do this this is going to be weird for me <laughs> i don't know what was it like is that it would freak me out personally yeah i mean there's an exhausting part to it like, yeah <clears throat> we're not made to like talk to people all the time, like, or knock on 50 doors a day. Like uh -huh. we're not, we're not built to do that. Like, um, and I would say like just arts and uh, music, uh, anything like that where you're creating something and you want the audience to like connect with it. It all like, it, it kind of is like a campaign because there's the creative side and then there's the, uh, can you market? Can you, can you market and connect with your audience? Not only through the product, but through, um, you hustling and bustling. Um, so, uh, and I don't want to think about when I was sculpting, like I would make a sculpt, a few sculptures and then it's like, I can't just make them and let them sit there. I have to, 
start to reach out to people, try to get them in the shows and do all this other side of things. And that's why people in music have like managers and stuff. But the campaign was a lot different because like I didn't really have a full time campaign manager. Uh, I didn't really have like all this staff and stuff like the website you you looked at, like that was like I I did that. Like I went in there. My I think my campaign yeah, manager did a little something. And then I went in there and tweaked it and changed it and started doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I was editing that thing like every day. Uh, there were so many things to do. Um, that was the different side of campaigning. So it wasn't just, oh, I feel like I want to do this. You had to become a, a PR person, a marketing person. And even as I sit here, I have to think about like, what can I what can I say and can't I say in a certain way? Absolutely. I'm even trying to be a little bit sensitive to that because I kind of have a sailor mouth and I tend to <laughs> go off and say a bunch of dumb things that I always shouldn't. But I'm mm-hmm. trying to be respectful of you and your position. Yeah. No, right. You're good. you're good. All right. Fuck it. Fuck everything. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I apologize. That statement uh, is does not reflect Jehosha right in any way. Um, so... It's interesting, you know, because the you mentioned it's not too different from being an artist, you know, in terms of you um want to you have to like wear all of these different hats mm-hmm. and you have to be a PR guy. You have to edit your own website. You got to be your own manager and all of these things. Was that mm-hmm. something that you were anticipating going into this? Kind of. Yeah, because uh, and you can you can be yourself. Like if you have to get grimy and dirty on the pod, do it. It's like I I think I can filter my stuff out enough to to be okay. I don't think anybody's gonna watch this and be like, you know, I'm not voting for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, did I anticipate that going into it? Over time I did. Uh so uh and I don't think anybody's gonna really, really be into to to wh- exactly everything that I'm saying. But if you ever got a chance to understand like politics at least locally you would be so turned off like it's almost like they build it that way it's almost like over time people have built the political realm in a way that would turn people who don't intend to be there off sure for example if you were not groomed to do that then it wouldn't be for you because the the hoops you have to jump through it's so difficult. So I came into it thinking, okay, person X, Y, and Z are going to help me this way because they said they're going to help me this way. And person X, Y, and Z has this skill, that skill, that skill. Here's how we can set this all up. And they're telling me, well, here's what we can do. And we can do all these things. And and here's how we'll set everything up. And then as it gets closer and closer to the time, those people are working with some other campaign and doing this other thing and they're not really available, but they're kind of available. And when you're running a campaign, you just got to be super grateful and take everything you get. So there's no cussing anybody out. There's no saying, Oh, you said you'd be there for me. Like there's none of that. So as I got closer to it, I knew, uh, and I I had to tell my, my lady like, Hey jazz, um, this is probably going to be a really hard semester type thing. This is probably going to be me doing everything and I will not be here really. Like I'll, I'll be out. I will be busy, but it will be worth it. 
And that's how I, that's the mindset I just went into. Like, I have to be a renaissance man in this campaign because nobody else cares about what I'm doing the same way I care about it. So yeah. therefore stuff's not going to get done. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, that, I don't know. I, I don't know who said it. I think, I think it may have been a character in the fifth element movie, but somebody, <laughs> somebody definitely said it besides Zorg in the fifth element, but there's the, the whole concept of, you know, if you want something done and done right, you got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've like really, really latched onto that mentality for the majority of my creative career. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you could see right here, I don't have anybody else helping mm-hmm. me with any of this stuff. But I don't know if that's always a good thing. <laughs> I know that it's necessary, but it is rather exhausting sometimes. And I find that it's really easy to spread myself too thin. Mm-hmm. And then like by me trying to do everything myself, I somehow get nothing done because yeah. everything it's just too much, right? It's tiring. So what have you been able to do in your life, if anything, recently mm-hmm. to maintain a balance, a yin and yang, uh, whatever mm-hmm. metaphor you want to use for your life of keeping things together? Because, mm-hmm. you know, outside of this district judge thing, you know, you are a family man, you have personal interests and all of this other shit, right? You have yeah. a life to live. So how do you balance all of it? Yeah. So also this is, this is just awesome, right? This embodies what you were saying about like, you want something done right, do it yourself. And the way to do it efficiently, not even efficiently, but the way to make sure it's going to get done is to do it yourself. And all, your whole setup, like everything is, is, is you, I can see like you did this. You might've called somebody for some tips or something, but you did this and it, and it works for you because you did it. Yeah, You didn't like call like a lazy boy furniture and had them come set up your house. Right. So, yeah, yeah. um, but for me, uh, that that touches on that topic of self care. So uh, okay. it, it, nobody knows my background. So it's like I'm a I'm a mental health professional. Uh, so I'm a clinical mental health counselor. So uh, the the idea of self care is just a part of my, and not because of counseling. It's just a part of my life, and that's how I like ended up there. I, I care about balance, right? Uh, so since the campaign. Uh, since I didn't like, I have a newborn. She's like four months. She was born in um, February. So like the campaign was going on at that point. So I yeah. didn't even really, I didn't spend that real time with her. So since the camp, like campaign has ended for the primary, um, I've taken like a month off, like a month and a half off. Like I've just been hanging out with them and playing video games, to be honest. Like that's my self care. Like I was, I've been, that's it. And I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel bad about it. People are asking me to do activities and certain stuff, and I ain't really got the time yet. (laughs) I just don't. Sure. So, you know, with having that background in mental health and entering this field of, like, local politics, you know, not that, you know, you want to, like, diagnose people in your social circle, but mm-hmm. have you been around some people that are maybe a little unfavorable to be around and you're just like, oh, this person really needs to take care of themselves. Like, they need some <laughs> me time, right? You know what I mean? Like, are you able to see that around you? Because you mentioned, like, sometimes there's parts of that community, that local politician, political community that seems off-putting. It almost seems mm-hmm. like it's designed that way, right? Yeah. It's almost like a... um I think of it as like the different lunch tables in high school, maybe, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you can't sit here. This table is not for you. It's like, well, why not? Right. For sure. But it's like, well, they have something that they probably got to work through. 
What is it? You know, what 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 have you like observed in that? That regard? is a great question. That's like like uh that's this is one of those answers I have to be a little careful around. Right. <laughs> fair enough. You know fair I mean? enough, fair enough. Uh because so there's two things, right? Uh as a mental health professional, you are tasked with um understanding that no matter how off you would think someone is. Everything is normal. Everyone is normal. And whatever people are, that's them. That's just them. And you, your job is to accept that. And if you want to be around that person, support that. Sure. Uh, so that's a general holistic view of, 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 of looking at people. Like, you know, non-judgmental, not like, that's like everything's okay. Empathy yeah. in some way, right? Yeah. Like it's understanding where yeah, somebody's like coming this. from. You're like this? Okay. Yeah. You need something from me? Like, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. very simple. It's, uh, don't judge people and pe people are who they are, not who you expect them to be Yeah, on the campaign. Front. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> it's a little different. So like, there's a, there's really, really basic phenomenon that go on. And I think that there's really something interesting going on in politics. When you look at, uh, the party system and the people affiliated to certain party, um, systems. Uh, and I always say that it's easier to be easier to be bad than good. So uh, if there's bad stuff going on in like politics and bad legislation being pushed or anything like that, I mean, it's like I feel like it would be easier to do that. It's it's really easy for me to sit at a computer and make a very bad beat. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's not like, it's not easy to make the good one that uh, the world is going to like. So. I, I, when it comes to trying to be a district judge or anything like that, a good volunteer, uh, it's very difficult to do. It's difficult uh, to, to, to put your time into it, to be creative enough, to be good enough at that. And I think that your question about do they need some me time stuff? Yeah. There's a, there's a phenomenon in which people who are organizing, like organizers and volunteers. There's organizers and there's like super volunteers. Those people, it seems that they get burnt out a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Because they're getting pulled from everybody. Like my campaign feels like they need them. Their campaign, every campaign needs these certain people within the city. And then the super volunteers are getting called every week by a thousand different campaigns and they're committed to certain things and they're really passionate about it. But it's often those people who are so passionate about it doing so much that like it's at an unsustainable level. And you'll see them like drop off the campaign, drop off a certain campaign or kind of just disappear from everybody on social media for a couple months. Like there's something like that that happens like yearly that I see on like Facebook or like people left my campaign like a few times pop back in because everything is too much. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely going on. You know, one of the things that really, it's always interested me in the realm of not even just local politics, but politics in general is, you know, there is an undeniable situation where there are a lot of people that just seem like they don't really care about the job that they're doing. Mm. But when you combine that with the amount of work that it takes and all of the options of things that people can do in life to make a living and put some meaning into their lives, like, why would you do something like this? Like, 
whether it's district judge or anything along those lines, like if you didn't really care about the job, why uh, would you put yeah. yourself through that? Yeah. The contradiction of like, yeah. like, are you genuinely here doing stuff? Yeah. Are you genuinely like, why would you put yourself as like a, as a leader of a community in some aspect, if you don't give a shit about the community, do you think maybe mm. sometimes people start caring and they get burnt out over time or there's other re like I have no idea what it yeah. is. There's a few ways to look at yeah. it, right? Like I, I don't have the I don't have the answer. Oh uh, yeah, like, sure. I can't say why people are yeah. doing things, um, but there is like it, it's an internal battle, man. Like to do anything's an internal battle, right? Like I'm sure there were frustrating times when you were setting all this up or getting started that. It, it, and something inside of you is like, man, I don't want to do this. Uh, I think about I think about stopping the podcast about once a month, but I've been doing it for mm -hmm. six or seven years. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's just that's that's it, it's what it is. Yeah, creating or working or anything, right? Yeah. So, like, say you are. Let, let, we're not talking about politics here. All right, let's say you had a job. That paid you 110k a year. You got in it for the right reasons, and uh, over time you lost hope of what you could accomplish, and you had that once a month feeling of oh, I should stop. But you're getting paid 110k a year. Yeah, would you stop, or would you just stop doing the stuff that you never had to do in the first place, and just keep your check? Yeah. That's like, th that's, I'm not saying that's a phenomenon in politics. I'm just saying that that is an interesting way to look at something like that. And then there's another way to look at it. Like, uh, people just starting out with the wrong reasons, right? Like, so you never, you never know how someone gets to a certain space. Like, it's all our perception too. Like, we can never, we are never able to deem someone not caring about what they do or not genuinely being there because those are intrinsic things. You cannot, you can't measure that. I can't accuse you of that because there's no record of someone saying, I hate this job. I don't care about this job. I'm just here to, 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 to for the perks. No, no one says that. So that, that would be the only way you could really measure it. Um, and like, not, I, actually there's no other way. <laughs> there's no other way yeah. to do that. Right. Cause then it would just be an accusation. Um, so, and, and that's probably my, uh, counseling background coming out that non-judgmental thing because I understand that it's not measurable. I can't tell you which how you feel about something. So when we look at uh, certain politicians or uh, anybody in a position, we feel like they don't care about the job and they're not doing a great job. It's hard to really do anything about it or say anything about it because who knows? Yeah, and I think that there's so many... Uh there's so many, there's so much personal nuance that goes into everybody's unique opinion about like what is a good job or what is a bad job. And, uh, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's interesting because most of the time when I talk to people that are involved in things like what you're doing, it seems like everybody that I talk to is like really, really into this. Mm -hmm. But then if like you watch people on, TV, like giving an interview or something like that. Maybe somebody that's a little bit more seasoned. It just doesn't, he sees like there's like this passion that's gone. And is it like a result of like, oh, they've had to do two dozen television interviews in the past three hours and they're just like burnt out? What is yeah. it? You know, like 
it's it's an interesting thing for me because going back to your point of like this seems like uninviting mm-hmm. like as just a community member mm-hmm. i feel like it's really hard for me to care yeah at all because yeah. it's just like i i don't know everybody has their own lives and things that they do right and the people that are in those positions have their own lives and things that they mm-hmm. do and everybody is it to some degree uh unaware of how much their like selfishness kind of taps into those decisions at the end of the day yeah right so it makes it a little bit difficult to always assume like or it makes me feel weird too to like be like, oh, why isn't this person doing something that benefits me directly? When I'm like, <laughs> I'm just one one small piece of a large mm. puzzle, right? Yeah, I mean, th- the interesting concept is just like human flaw and everything. Like, yeah. Over time, like we just get better at stuff uh, if we care about stuff, right? If we care to pay attention to detail, we get better at stuff. And when you mention like selfishness, it's like, uh, it's inherent, right? We living for us. Like I'm more like when I wake up every day, I'm thinking, uh, how do I take care of my family? I feel like that's in our DNA, right? It has to be. It, it's, it's survival, right? Yeah. Like how do I take care of my family? How can my lady and my daughter eat? And how can I eat? Mm-hmm. And then I'll get to, you know, like that's, that is life though. That's like since prehistoric, the word medieval times whatever you want to call it like yeah. that's just been life i mean you do have to take care of your basic needs before you can even function mm-hmm. elsewhere it's interesting how i guess like i'm not one of i'm not really like an anti-capitalist type of person mm-hmm. but it's interesting how capitalism over the decades has really shifted our perception of basic needs and like how a lot of that I think also ties into what we were talking about before with like, oh, if you were making X amount of money at a job that you didn't really like, would you keep that job because you're making the money? And like to some degree, it's like, how much money does one really need to live? Mm-hmm. You know, I think on in some realm, most of us could probably survive off of a pretty minimal amount of money. It's just the result of all of the outside factors yeah. of like, well, you know, the price of gas has gone up. So now the price of your broccoli is going up, which mm-hmm. means the price of this is going and, and like that whole domino effect of how price, you know, everything is like inflation and things become way more expensive. And we mm-hmm. become way like we're very, very tied to the money for our basic needs. And I don't know where I'm going with all of this, but I feel like I'm flowing with you. We're doing too much. This has nothing to do with, you personally, but just as human beings, I feel like there's uh, just yeah. too much going on. Like right now, like, do I need three cameras to get this point across? <laughs> like one would be fine, but no, I bought two other fucking cameras. Why? Because I felt like I had to, right? But wh- yeah, what is that? Yeah, but that one's like way less, har- like that's not harmful. <laughs> just cameras. It's not, it's not personally harmful, but yeah. it's like a small piece of, it's like a small example, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Or another good example would be like, that's a plain plastic bottle of water. I got a 24 case of that for maybe $4 from mm-hmm. the grocery store. But I also bought a case of this fancy canned water <laughs> because I thought it was cool looking and it was Fifteen dollars for a twelve pack. It's you know almost what? like that's water. Yeah, it's water. Man, it's a. You thinking I was drinking a beer the whole time? <laughs> no, nah, it's just water. It's just water. But this is unnecessary water. 
to some degree. I mean, they they donate a lot to like uh, recycling and anti-plastic mm -hmm. use, which is cute. But also at the same time, I'm still fucking buying plastic. Mm -hmm. It's like, do I need to do this? I don't I don't know. It's just like all of these small little things and they add up to this point where it's like, why are we spending so much on all these things? Why has technology involved so much? Why do we feel like we need all of these things? How much of your job as a district judge is going to be like resolving issues that are like completely frivolous because of things that are completely unnecessary? Uh, yeah, Sorry. I, I'm just, I just that, feel like that was a lot. That's, that, that's interesting. I, I really don't know. Cause it's, it's, it's from like case to case. So you, you don't really know, like you, you don't know what someone's coming in for. Like I, I cannot predict if someone's like, like a tree is going to fall on a neighbor's car because some dude was whacking it too hard. You know, like yeah. I, 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 I can't predict that. Right. Uh, and that would be kind of frivolous too. What are you doing whacking your tree, man? Like, you know, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Right. And so, uh, or, or the situation where it's like the reason why the tree fell on a car is because they're, it's one of those people that have five cars, two people live in a house and have five. Why do you have five cars? Hey, but I mean, you're hey. allowed to, but it's like that. I feel like excess generates more mm -hmm. problems. Well, I, so an interesting thing in that area would be like uh, the bigger uh, the bigger landlords. So like the bigger um, uh, companies, like, like real estate stuff, companies, yeah. yeah, like the the big ones that are just like trying to evict people or something. Um, uh, that topic would be a little bit different than a small landlord trying to maybe evict someone because a small landlord is really getting maybe impacted by that, but also the tenants getting impacted by it. So the mediation may be a little bit different mm -hmm. uh, than someone who like someone who has 2000 units or 500 units or something. It's like that discussion might be a little bit different as long as both parties are working together. But you might see that as like, well, why does someone need 500 units? Right. Yeah. That, that that's that's far from minimalist. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is right now, our society is not set up for minimalists to live the way they want to live. Sure. Or like our society isn't set up for like there to be like uh, a level of um, the word that I am looking for would be uh, not necessarily satisfaction but a level of like i am like like i'm full like i've had mm -hmm. enough food my stomach is full right i feel like you know there's a thing sometimes where it's like food's a good it's a good analogy for this right mm -hmm. because like you have a whole pizza in front of you yes this pizza's good i know where you're going and like you know <laughs> really you only need a couple slices of that pizza yep. but i'm probably gonna eat every other slice that whoever else i'm in the room with doesn't eat because like yeah. I'm not even thinking about it. It's just like whatever, whatever. And they're like, oh, why did I do this? Yeah. And it's like, you know, like a it's like a physical debt that I've put on myself, right? <clears throat> yep. Because it felt good in the short term. Yeah. It's uh if you have a whole plate of food in front of you, it doesn't mean you had to eat the whole plate because you made the plate. It's, yeah. It doesn't that doesn't mean that. Or like when you go to Olive Garden, <laughs> and I'm a health coach too right now. Okay. So I'm talking to people every day about Losing weight. You're talking a lot better. Endless soup and breadsticks. That's a lot of your, yeah, your conversation. They go to Olive Garden. Hey, that's fine. But when you go to Olive Garden, the Alfredo's 1500 calories. <laughs> that's not counting the breadsticks. That's not counting the salad. Um, so it's it set up wild there. Yeah. But just because you 
they brought out the breadsticks and they brought out the salad, you got to have some, right? So then you have some of that. You probably get yourself up to like 500 calories right there or something, maybe like maybe like 400 or something. I don't know. You you eat a lot of salad and the the, the Italian dressing, you might answer for ranch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to your 15, 1600 calorie meal. And then you eat the whole thing just cuz it's like a whole plate of it instead of taking it home. When you when you really could take it home, even half of that meal is like like a double meal. Yeah. Um so Sometimes just because we got it, we do it. Like just because it's right there, we do it. it Yeah, I found, you know, there was uh, an undeniable change in my body weight Mm -hmm. with me making more money. Hmm. Because like I spent a long time when I was younger in my 20s working shitty jobs, barely having enough to like get a slice of pizza for lunch, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like most of the time, if you're working multiple jobs, it's because you don't have any money. It's like the more it's like it's fun. It's one of those things where like, again, that's back to that capitalist thing. It's like most of the time it's like if you see somebody like I'm I believe anytime somebody's like I've worked two or three jobs. I'm like, oh, you're probably broke. And I, that's, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. It's just like, there's no other reason to do that unless yeah. you really fucking need it. Right. But I got to a point where like, okay, I have one job and I'm comfortable and mm. I can make enough money. But now it's like, okay, now I'm going out to eat and it's like, oh, I got the money. I'm going to get the appetizer. I'm going to get <laughs> yeah, maybe two yeah. different things, like all this unnecessary things. When really all I need is one plate of food. Yeah. More like, hesitation when yeah. you ask about dessert. It's mm. kind of like, it's kind of ridiculous to get like two appetizers when it's just you and your significant other. Yep. But like, I would do that shit. And then, you know, a couple years later, I'm like, holy shit. Why have I gained like 40 fucking pounds? But that, that's that core idea that you were talking about before, like have and have not. It's like, you didn't have, you didn't have exactly. Yeah. And you were waiting to, to, to I don't even think I was, necess- it was like one of those things. It wasn't even like, I didn't even like think of it. And then it just becomes a habit. Things mm-hmm. become habits so easily. And, you know, now I'm actually being very, aware of it and now when i'm out i'm trying to okay like i don't need this i don't need to do this i don't need that and trying to be more aware of like the things that i am consuming things i'm doing with my time Mm -hmm. things that i'm just everything just Mm -hmm. trying to be a lot more aware than i ever have before and it's 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 strange yeah is it wisdom yeah i mean we get wiser right okay so like we're younger we don't have, we feel like we don't have, you know, everything's so dramatic. We need this. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till I get older. I'm going to drink all the Kool-Aid I can. You know, like you, you're, you're waiting for this moment to cut loose, right? It's like, uh, when I get this and I'm going to do this forever. When I get this, I'm going to do the maximum amount of this. And then you, you, you get older. You, I think you have a cut loose period where you get two appetizers and you do this and you do that. And um, it could be anybody's vice. Your vice could be the most simple thing. I think mine's was like, uh, when we were younger, we just didn't have enough, like, we didn't have juice all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want juice, you know? Sure. I don't want to just drink water all day. But now that I'm older and I've cut loose with juice, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of juice. Uh-huh. Um, now I just keep juice stocked in my house, but I drink water for the, the most of my liquids. And and I understand how what that's going to do for me. I mean, you're going to, under, you understand with not having two appetizers will do for you uh but you cut loose for a little bit yeah you gotta cut loose yeah i I think that you know i don't i try to put myself in a position where i 
don't want to make myself feel bad for any decisions that I have made that have maybe turned out in some negative ways because there's also a lot of temporary positives that came from those things. Like I had a lot of fun mm-hmm. when I was out. I enjoyed these things. They were good experiences, yeah. but now I have recognized a problem. I, I've addressed that problem and I need to do something about it because now it's no longer going to be fun. In the moment, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about the consequences mm-hmm. and it was fun. But now that I'm aware of those consequences and I am dealing with the physical ramifications of those consequences, I am going to move forward with a a clearer mind and a lighter <laughs> belly, hopefully. Yeah, wiser now, and you care about yourself. You know yeah. that, like we have to have uh, empathy for ourselves and be around people who have empathy for us. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, you went through a process of cutting loose, getting back to the drawing board, and saying, "All right, it's time. I'm wise now. I'm good." Like, and we got to have other people around us that keep us on that timeline too. Uh, and I think that that's the interesting uh, thing about thinking of a product of your environment, because some people never uh, will t- take a longer time to develop to less maladaptive behaviors. And the maladaptive behaviors we're talking about is like silly stuff like appetizers and <laughs> juice. But this stuff happens on larger scales yeah. where it's maybe like. Uh, either white collar or white collar crime or anything. Those are, those are maladaptive behaviors in our society. And um, it depends on who, who you're around and how you treat yourself and how fast you develop. And uh, you've developed well to the point where you don't get two appetizers now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've talked a good bit about the concept of empathy mm-hmm. And that is something that over the past couple of years, I've really tried to put that into my focus when interacting with other people and interacting with myself, like trying to understand where people are coming from and Mm -hmm. showing empathy for that. In terms of a political viewpoint, I feel like empathy is very non-existent in a lot of realms, especially Mm. when you're dealing with a a two-party system and getting people to kind of understand where people are coming from on different sides. And I think that one of the things that makes it really hard, but I empathize with it, is that like empathy is not easy Mm. for people to introduce and understand and be willing to be like vulnerable and understand where other people are coming from. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, what are your viewpoints on like empathy in the world of politics or anything like social on that level? Um, these are always interesting questions because uh, I'm a judicial candidate, right? Yeah. So I'm a judge elect. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm not, to, I'm not, I'm not a judge yet, but I do have to watch like the viewpoint I have on political topics because you're not able to, you're, you're nonpartisan. I got you. Right? Got you. Like, yeah, so yeah. You're not like a part of a team. Yeah, fair you enough. You are a judge, and it doesn't matter if someone's independent, Republican, or Democrat in front of you. Yeah, like, you, you know. But uh, that also make that probably makes maybe like that that concept of empathy maybe a little easier to digest in some universal. ways. Yeah, it, it it should be there. Yeah, it should be um, a part of what we do and ingrained in what we do. Uh, but it isn't always. But like we said, there's a lot of ways that we want we want to live now, uh, whether you're a minimalist, whether you're a caring or helping professional. Uh, there's a lot of ways we want to live now 
but the system isn't set up for us to operate that way, if that makes sense. And that's why you'll see someone like me running for office because I bring in these newer concepts like, hey, we can update the system this way. We can care about people more by doing X, Y, and Z. And then I have to go in there. I have to have that model behavior. I have to kind of create a new model of doing this and hopefully make this area of work sexy, right? Make it more (laughs) appealing to people outside. Mm -hmm like our other neighbors, but also very helpful to people who come in front of me and then have that impact the system. And that's how we advance. But ideally, right, a long time ago, we would have more empathetic systems, but we we didn't. Right. So say if I wasn't if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'd probably be making like self-care counseling curriculum for high schools. Okay. So that people could learn how to talk to each other um, and learn how to uh, reflect uh, to other people and reflect on themselves and have these counseling principles instilled in our people as they're getting older. So then we would have, we would be creating a new generation of more empathetic people that would influence these systems moving forward. Yeah. So that's something that I would be do- doing because I'm more interested in like systems change. Yeah. But we never did that. I think that that would be like fucking crucial because like when I was in high school, I felt like I was never treated but any like like anything but a problem. Mm-hmm. Granted, I wasn't a good high school student. I was a yeah. bit of a delinquent. Okay. But it was also, it was always kind of like a, it was never, there was never anybody that was like, empathetic in any way but it's like you know also it's like well why would you be empathetic to some shitty 17 year old it's like well why wouldn't you be yeah i don't know you know what i mean but like (laughs) at the time it's like i i understand where they're coming from it's again it's that thing where it's like you have people in these positions of some sort of power where it's like they're just so overwhelmed with so much stuff that's Mm -hmm. going on where it's like i can't be bothered with that problem right now you know but it, it, it makes it's just it's like very uninviting because now like as I grew up for a long time it made me feel like if I if there was ever anything wrong mm-hmm. like that I would just be bothering people by mm-hmm. trying to like seek out help. Yeah, it sucks that you didn't have anyone nearby that knew how to talk to people. Yeah, right. And the system failed us in that way. Like nobody knew how to talk to people, and that's why I'm not like. I mean, there's stuff in life that I'm mad about like that happened in history. But like when I look at things like that situation with you, I think nobody even knew any better. Nobody even knew how to, nobody even knew how to help you. Oh, the funny thing too is like, I mean, granted I wasn't a kid that was getting into fights or anything like that, but like, I mean, our high school had fights all the time. Mm -hmm. Not a great high school. No tour. Woodland Hills high school. (laughs) You've heard stories. I'm sure. Unfortunately, it's not, mm-hmm. that's not like even like, it's like, I kind of want to laugh about it. It's a funny joke, but honestly, it's sad, mm-hmm. right? That like, there's no reason that like a high school should be notoriously like known for being like lots of fights and things like that. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of it goes to like, okay, sure. You know, the people that are in the school only have control of so much of the kids that are coming in and the energy yeah. that's being brought there. Mm-hmm. But also there is a lot of, things that I think could be done in my time there. I didn't really feel like anybody was ever trying to help me or help anything Mm -hmm. else around. Yeah, man. I mean, it's hard to even like, um, criticize, um, schools and, uh, what we call them ecological systems. And that's the, uh, you know about that at all? 
ecological systems is just like uh the particle environments. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. Like uh, someone's family, someone's school life, someone. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, personal it, life. It, it, it's it, it's uh, crazy because you have, uh, you know, like it, you start getting the conversation of like what makes a neighborhood good versus a bad neighborhood, yeah, and like right. economic opportunities in that neighborhood that you know try like go down to the family and maybe one family has to do some things that are in a gray area yeah. to sustain the family. Mm -hmm. And then the kids get a different idea of like what mm -hmm. street life is, what home life is, what school, you know, it, yeah. it, it, there's so many layers. Yeah. Like how's the world treating the parents and uh, how, how are the schools treating the teachers? Right? Like, so there's, there's uh -huh. levels of everything. Like, uh, so if you're in like a, like a lower income community, it's obviously then, um, large part of i don't want to say a large part of the world but i don't i don't i wouldn't imagine a lot of those people got a fair shake sure uh, based on the system right so then you got like their kids going to schools where teachers are like underpaid and under resourced too oh yeah right and then yeah. like programming outside of the schools that are underfunded and under resourced and then it just culminates into this center object of the individual right that it culminates in whatever this person becomes because of those systems. So the fact that you, you've navigated wherever you came from, you've navigated that successfully and all the wrongdoing on the outside, the outside of your system didn't make it to your core and you shook it off and you, you know, made it to, to being successful and to being here. But a lot of people, a lot of people don't. And that's exactly yeah. why I was running for magistrate in the first place is because what happened to me had happened to other people uh, in different ways and more harsh ways. And they don't always, they didn't get to navigate it the same way I did. Um, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to make it to this point and have the capacity to come back as a, um, as a, as a helper. And, 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 and that's that responsibility we talk about. And that's why I'm living my B life, not my A life, because I'm, I, I have this responsibility to come back and help uh, a kid like you were. Yeah. And you can from that position. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, great. You know, it, it was, I think that I, I, I do feel confident to say that I have figured it out. Mm -hmm. I think that I've only figured out in the past couple years of my life and I'm in my mid thirties. <laughs> so it took some time. It would have been nice to have been on this position where I'm at now, a decade ago, mm -hmm. a decade ago, I don't even want to talk about what my life was like, mm -hmm. but it worked out. Right. I guess, but it wasn't easy by any means, but that, I'm not unique in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Most people have a difficult life in one way or another. Yeah. It's so, hard to be good. Yeah. It's just hard to be good. It's easy to be bad, hard to be good. Uh -huh. I mean, if I wanted to just give up today, that'd be pretty easy. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I just wanted to stop everything, that'd be pretty, pretty simple. Sure. Um, but if I wanted to prosper and have fun and be happy and have a really full life, it becomes more and more, it, it becomes difficult kind of, um, but it's rewarding and I enjoy the grind, man. I enjoy the challenge. So, yeah. I think, I think that that is the necessary key is that you have to genuinely enjoy the results of the work that you're putting in. And I think that's what makes mm -hmm. that concept of work 
hard for some people is because like they really don't know what they want to be doing with themselves. They have like some vague idea of what they should be doing, mm-hmm. but it's not making them happy. So is that is that really something that you should be doing? Yeah. Sometimes people confuse, you know, what their what their destiny is with like only like what they know, like mm-hmm. what their limit of like how could I put this? Like say like I'm somebody that I I play guitar, mm-hmm. right? And I play guitar with some friends of mine and we have a band together. Yeah. But I'm always coming up with excuses as to like why we shouldn't book a show, why we shouldn't go in the studio, why we shouldn't agree on a band name. All of these things that seem very counterproductive, right? Mm -hmm. But is it so much like just because I can play guitar, does that mean that I want to be in a band? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people get into these positions where it's like maybe they spent their whole life going to school, they get in a job and it's like, well, I don't like this, but it's all I know how to do. What do I do now? Because now I'm in my 30s, right? And all I know how to do is play guitar. What do I do in this position? I don't want to be in a band, but if I don't do this, I don't have anything else. But also... When I'm in this position, I'm like holding other people back and myself back. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a really weird thing. I mean, we've been talking about the can- same concept the whole time, right? Totally. Like, like uh, things not being set up in a way that people can live the lives they want to live. So if you played guitar your whole life and you ended up in that position, you don't have the flexibility of doing some other stuff. You really don't. You have to work really hard for that flexibility because it's it's not there. And I think the uh, I don't want to talk about this on a uh, like political level, but like the 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 topic of UBI, the Universal Basic Income mm-hmm. thing, was it's been floating around for the last couple of years, and the principle behind that was that people are going to start to be able to do the things they want to do, sure. uh, and that automation would happen, and some of these some of the more low paying jobs. Uh, that were a little bit more just routine and and basic would be automated. So therefore, those people could go out of being a, a cashier to, uh, if they wanted to play guitar, play guitar for a living because they would have the universal basic income uh, to supplement the the low paying lifestyle of being a guitarist. Yeah. Uh, so that would allow people to be their creative selves and their uh, more quote unquote happy selves. Sure. Uh, that was the idea of that creating flexibility for people. Yeah. Uh, especially if you were playing guitar your whole life and then had to do a pivot. Um, UBI would be help like helping people do that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm in favor of UBI or I'm trying to push legislation for that to be clear, but <laughs> totally. Yeah. But, um, right now we, we don't have a flexible world. We don't have a flexible economy. We don't like, you have to focus on what you're going to do and do that thing hard. Mm-hmm. To, to, to survive and to be successful or, or else you, you're going to be struggling. Yeah, that goes back to like what I was talking about before with just like um, all of this, again, not anti-capitalist, but things are so mm-hmm. overblown and so expensive. And it's like if things were scaled back, if we were able to not have to charge so much for every damn thing on mm-hmm. the planet, then we wouldn't necessarily even need something like a UBI to even be proposed. Yeah, if we ever made it, like, it, yeah, you know, initially we were good. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, you know, again, like, I don't know if I am for or against that concept. I mean, like, it's really easy to romanticize that idea yeah. as an artist. 
They're like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Right. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I also, well, I'm old enough to remember a time where like, if I was making the money that I'm making now, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. like I'd be, you know, a pig and shit, right? Like, mm-hmm. or however you want to put it, like it would just be insane. But now it's like, it's different because every things just keep getting more and more expensive mm-hmm. as time goes on. And uh, I don't know. I'm not an economist. I, 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 I am, a, I am a musician <laughs> and uh, a dork. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I just, I just know that it's really, really, it just, I just don't see like this, whatever the trajectory of this happening, like whatever ends up happening. I just mm-hmm. don't see it like, ending well for very many people like financially which is going to lead into like problems socially and economically overall it's just like as a result of like what of like you know why why does rent need to increase in neighborhoods why i don't know i don't get it why Why are there new mustangs made every year sure sure (laughs) why why is there a new damn iphone every other year why why are these things yeah why 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 how how is it that you know people are complaining about not being able to find work you know one like on facebook or using the internet where they have this tool that they can make all of this access to everything Mm. with a device that they've spent thousands of dollars on or they're in debt thousands of dollars for it's just like this whole clusterfuck of like this is too much. It's just way, way, way too much. Yeah, I mean, the world is 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 disorganized. Yeah, uh, and you sound like you're like more uh, into like m- minimalist concepts, uh, which is interesting. Like on on a systems level, being a minimalist, if America was minimalist, that'd be interesting because you you wouldn't have that Mustang every year and you wouldn't have that iPhone every year, um, but at the same time, you don't need it. Cause those cars are like, like everybody doesn't even have a car. These cars come out yeah. of here. Everybody doesn't even have a car. Like, yeah. It's, it's really ridiculous to me. Or like, you know, the, there's like the, the dumb conversation that people will have. That's like Android versus iPhone. And if like, you know, <laughs> if you don't have an iPhone, you're some sort of like, you know, ding dong, yeah. uh, Neanderthal type human being. And mm-hmm. like, I've never had an iPhone in my life. Really? You and messed up the group I, chat. And I, we could completely complain and share the same things. On like, what's this difference? What? Why is this baked into our brains that we think we need an iPhone or we think we need mm-hmm. the new Mustang or like? Uh, it's like there's so much stuff that works mm-hmm. and functions to get from like the whole purpose of the phone, right? Is to communicate with people. Get message at point a to point b that's it and if it works yeah. it functions that's great yeah why does the why does your touch screen need to be smoother why does it yeah. need to be a quarter inch bigger why does it need to be like lcd hd high definition mm-hmm. you know to watch other people living their lives in full clarity when you're just staring at a screen yeah. it's too much i, I it's know what too you mean. much i know what you mean but at the same time like i i, I love technology i have all these unnecessary cameras and you know i have a gigantic record collection and dumb Mm. action figures and all these things but you know i'm just very much like if i uh, all these things kind of like serve a function i suppose for this podcast but also Mm. 
none of this stuff is like very like top of the line, mm-hmm. right? I just feel like it, if something functions and it works and I'm able to get my point across, then great. That's it. Right. That's all I need. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I feel like we got way off track. No, no. Entirely, I, entirely I understand the concept of like, like how much is enough? How much is enough, man? Like, uh, when I'm getting a car, I really, I don't buy the SE, right? Like I don't buy the, the yeah. super deluxe version of the vehicle. Like, um, I have a, like I have a Mustang and it, it's the basic regular EcoBoost Mustang. It ain't the GT. It ain't got all this other stuff in it. It doesn't have, uh, heated seats and all it, it doesn't, I, I don't need all that. And I don't want to pay for all that. Yeah. Um, I just like how the Mustang looks. That's it. That's it. People are always uh, at the gas station. It's always guys. Oh, what you got in it? What, what, what type of motor is that? Is that the V8? Is that the... It's like, it's the Mustang, man. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, it, that's it. I just like how it looks. And I don't need anything more than that. I don't need the uh, iPhone 12 Pro Lodge. Like, like the special... I got the iPhone 12 because I kind of had to get this because you slowed down my last one. <laughs> so yeah I, I keep it pretty simple man yeah i think that i, I don't uh, maybe it's just a uh, age maybe it's you know years of technological excess that i've i've lived i don't know i mm-hmm. just i i guess i've maybe maybe it just comes from this position of like never having a whole lot to work with to some degree and uh always making it just happen you know, like I, I recorded music on a computer that ran Windows 98, uh, for well past Windows 98 being a thing. That's well, and uh, it worked. You know, that was like my that's old, rough. my only goal was just to record the music and release it, which I did. Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, the computer worked fine. It still works fine. I still really? have it. Really? Yeah. Windows 98. Yeah. The gray, I mean, the gray one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't record on it anymore, but I still have it. I still have the computer. It works totally fine. When year I've, was that that you were doing that? So, I let's see. So, I got that computer in 2002, and I probably was recording music on it full-time until 2015 or 2016 easily. Yo, that's impressive. Windows 98. Yeah. That is wild. See, like computers, they always break down though. They always just break down. How did you get your computer? Well, that's the funny thing is like I had that computer and it was, it never touched the internet or anything like that. All that was on it was the recording software, but I had, Uh. I had laptops and things. So I like, I had like a MacBook. I had other windows laptops. Mm -hmm. I've always had other computers. I can't even tell you how many other computers that I've had in the lifespan of that windows 98 tower yeah. that tower still works mm-hmm. i mean i have a macbook upstairs that doesn't barely work anymore that's like maybe a quarter of the life of that the windows 98 tower right and mm-hmm. i've had other computers like just like die or crash out or like they just stop working that 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 computer does still work that was something i thought we might get into today too is like that lifestyle of 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 being in music because like i don't like a lot of people don't notice i used to like produce when i was like 14 yeah so i used to make like digital music and stuff on like 
FL studio, just like trap beats or back then sampling was huge. So like uh, the diplomats were out, like the over rappers yeah. set and stuff. So you would sample, you would go find the greatest like oldies or uh, some Hans Zimmer or some James Horner or something like yeah, that yeah. and just like cut, chop their stuff up uh, and just, just make a beat out of it. You know, add some 808s to it and just keep, you know, 808 snare, some hats, and then you're good to go. Loop it up. Uh, but that lifestyle is a lot different because a lot of times when you're a musician, you don't have, like, money. So uh, in order to get, like, Zebra or all these other uh, VST software and all this stuff, like, you got to kind of pirate that stuff. Sure. Like, you like you can't afford that. Um, Zebra is probably, like, 200 bucks. Um, if someone wants to do, what is it? Cubase. If someone wants to get that, was that like $500? Maybe. Yeah. Like yeah, so it's, it could be. It's <laughs> all two, two to $800. Yeah. Yeah. It's all two to $800. Uh, FL studio is probably like 200 bucks or something like that, you know? Yeah, so it adds up. Yeah. Adds up. I mean, you don't have the base 400, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't even get to that point. Um, so that's how you end up with all those viruses and stuff because you're just searching the lime wire back then, man. You're searching <laughs> lime wire, like trying to get anything from there. Um, and then once you download like FL Studio or something, you don't have the you don't have the key. So then it, it was I don't even know how we survived. I don't know how we survived, man. Yeah, I think that, you know, I when I was getting into music production, I actually didn't really get into software until a lot later. Um, a lot of it was because I was running a Windows 98 computer and it had recording software on it. But it was literally just like a recording workstation. Mm-hmm. And I was making beats on all hardware. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't using Fruity Loops or anything like yeah. that. Like I had like actual equipment. So I uh, like all my computer did was like you could run audio signal into it. Mm-hmm. The same like you would record a microphone. I was like recording beats off of beat machines into the program mm-hmm. and then recording vocals on top of it that way. Like I wasn't yeah. actually making beats on a computer. And uh, I think that one of the reasons I was able to stick with using that computer for so long was because I wasn't using any 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 software like that. I wasn't using any DAW, no plugins. Anytime I was using reverb or any delay or anything like that, it was all coming off of hardware. And I didn't really start getting into doing stuff with VSTs until like 2005. There was like an album that I I started working on and I was like, okay, I'm going to record this on my MacBook Mm -hmm. because I'll get, I'll buy, now I had the money to actually buy software and things like that. Cause I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm over pirating shit. Like I don't want to do this anymore. It's um, rough. So I had the money. I bought stuff from my MacBook and yeah, I started recording on my MacBook. And now I have another like Windows computer that um I built that I use for recording music now. Mm-hmm. So but it was it was an evolution for sure. See, back then, um, I feel like that was that's the best way to do it. Like uh be the true artist, really learn how to play instruments and stuff like that. Uh like my like I guess my life setup, just like being in the hood and stuff, it wasn't like you weren't really coming up playing a piano or having a guitar or um, anything like that. So us making those beats digitally yeah. was like you could have any instrument for free. Yeah, totally, <laughs> right? totally. Just do whatever. Yeah. So like, yeah, I like I started. Well, the funny thing is, is I actually started making beats digitally technically because I started making beats on uh, the MTV Music Generator. 
Okay. <laughs> which, it was a beat making program for the Sony PlayStation. You know what? I might have had like a demo or something for yeah. That or something so weird, like or- yeah, I mean it was it was literally set up exactly the same as Fruity Loops, but okay. you know, and I had that because I didn't have a computer. My okay. mo- uh, we couldn't afford a computer, but I had a PlayStation, so mm-hmm. I got that. So my like the first music shit that I ever did was like me making beats on a Sony PlayStation and putting like a tape recorder next to the TV speaker and I would just like play the beat. So it would, the TV speaker would play the mm-hmm. beat and the tape recorder would get it. And I would like rap next to it, you know, like <laughs> I was that. I remember that. I feel like I remember yeah, that, 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 that not having it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I had the yeah. music generator cause it just probably cost some certain amount of money. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But like, I think I remember that concept. There was a, there's a lot of funky stuff out there. Yeah. And like that was, I would have been in, so that was like 1997 or mm-hmm. eight, 1998 when that came out. And then, um, when I finally got a computer in high school, like I think Fruity Loops may have been around, but it really wasn't what it became mm-hmm. over time. And like in that, in that time period, there really wasn't any way to like make beats outside of having hardware. Mm-hmm. So I like got my Taco Bell job, saved up paychecks, bought a beat machine. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple years later, that's when you started to see like Fruity Loops really take off and all of these other programs. So like yeah. if I had like waited to get into it probably two or three years, I probably would have skipped hardware altogether and have just gone completely mm. software. You know, just, I never knew how, uh, like Wu-Tang and them, like, yeah. I never knew how they were like sampling and stuff back then. Is that a beat machine? Cause I don't even oh, know. Oh yeah, yeah. Like an MPC back yep. then? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, like their stuff sounds pretty good. And it's oh, yeah. in the test of time for yeah. me. Uh, but I mean, it sounds it sounds wild. I don't I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they uh got their samples into the machine at the time because software seems so bad back yeah, then. Yeah, well, I mean it was all hardware. Like it was mm-hmm. literally like like you have like 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 this is like my MPC, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you're literally like recording your samples onto like a shitty memory card, almost like a fucking like flash drive yeah. that's inside there. So that's what's that's what's holding the samples. So it impact the sound quality. Of the sample, or was it actual like no, straight just, up ripped data? It's just like ripped data, you know oh, what I mean? Okay. Like like what you're hearing on those albums, like those aren't the, those are all samples that are recorded directly onto the MPC. Hmm. So instead of the computer storing the sample, like the MPC is basically acting like a computer. Okay, right? But instead of having the the colorful computer screen, you're working off of those two screens that are on the MPC and you got to know what every little thing on that MPC means. Yeah. And then you could take it and you can edit it from there. You can pick like, um, like say like you record a 30 second sample, mm-hmm. but like you want it to start six seconds in, you can trim the beginning, you can trim the end, right? Then you right. can create the loop, but you do all of that inside the MPC. That's see, that's crazy. It's a that's lot like of work. Kind of caveman like to oh, me. Oh, it's crazy. Thinking about that. But I, um, so I've been to my, my cousin has a studio in like Etna or something. I've been to his spot. I think he has a, like an MPC there, but it's still kind of that way. But I just think the stuff on the screen, like all the FL studio and all that stuff makes it a lot more visual. Sure. Uh, so I remember cutting, stuff and doing all that stuff on the fl studio and it was a lot easier because i could see everything uh-huh. that i was cutting i could save it in this pretty little folder over here i could do all this stuff but on the npc i'd imagine it was just all like 
numbers. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of it is. But I think the reason why a lot of that music of that era sounds so timeless and so good and so memorable is because if you wanted to make music, it wasn't easy. Like Mm -hmm. you had to be unbelievably passionate and meticulous to even get something done. So really it was like the best of the best people that like knew like this like prodigy like brain of like this sample is going to sound good in this BPM if I flip it this way with these drums and like there's yeah. only so many people that can do that you know what I mean yeah. that's like RZA is one of a kind right yeah so you know versus now you have anybody that has a computer and like while they have the access to technology they may not just have that crazy mm-hmm. RZA brain kind of like that no matter what, I'm going to get this done sort of thing. Yeah. So it it's generates down. it generates a lot of things that just don't have the same amount of heart put into it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that has happened in general with rap. Totally. Like, uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't hate on it. I, I want people to get paid and, you know, be able to take care of themselves. But um, from production to rapping, I think that has happened uh, because I think when I was recording stuff, it was like on Cool Edit Pro or something mm-hmm. like that back then. Um, now everybody can have from Cool Edit to Cubase to whatever, ha- have a small setup in the crib, uh, go to YouTube, learn how to make a trap beat. And then just get better from there, and then boom, and then you're just yeah, blah, 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 on on a song, yeah. And then so that's it. It's like you know, if you compare it to cooking, right? Like if um, I buy, let's say I buy what would be like the cooking equivalent, like a bunch of like all clad. That's like really good cooking wear. That's like top okay. notch cooking wear. Right? Okay. I buy a bunch of all clad cooking wear stuff and then I go to Whole Foods and buy a bunch of like really good organic stuff that's good to eat fresh locally sourced <laughs> all that stuff right like we're good to go I got the yeah. best cooking gear really good cook nice nice ass oven mm-hmm. good food I got everything that I need but I've mm-hmm. never cooked a day in my life yeah that's what you get with a lot of modern young rap now it's Mm -hmm. like i think that everybody should have access to create these things but if you think about back in the day it was like more of a situation where you don't have access to the really good sounding equipment like you have to work your way up to that Mm -hmm. and once you get to that point of being able to be in a studio environment with people that have this equipment that sounds like none other yeah right like you have to have had a certain level of skill that you've shown. So now you have two things that marry together very well. Yeah. Versus now you get it's anybody mm-hmm. can go onto like one of those websites, like a sweetwater.com, which is like a music oh, website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you can like finance a bunch of gear. You could finance a few thousand dollars worth of gear with no credit check, right? Mm-hmm. Get it sent to you, hook it all up. You've never recorded a song before, but you can record something that sounds good because it's so easy to record clean audio now. And then not only can you do Mm -hmm. that, you can upload it to Spotify and have worldwide distribution on there. Yeah, it's super easy to go on Spotify. Five years ago, it wasn't. I mean, it's it's super easy. I mean, basically right now, it's like if you have if you have the money to invest in it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is like a lot of people will invest money, but won't invest time. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of impatience, a lot of people yeah. that are like younger in the rap scenes. I know like youth for whatever reason is very, very, it's a hot commodity in pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something where it's like, you know, I'm 17, I'm starting to rap. It's probably mm-hmm. going to take me, you know, a few years to really lock this down. But I can't wait until I'm 22 or 23 to put out a project. I got to yeah. put out a project now yeah. because everybody else on Instagram is putting out projects now. You throw it straight on TikTok. Yeah. Good. And like, like, you know, some of the stuff that people put out, like, I guess it's good because like what makes something good, what makes something bad. I feel like we had this conversation mm-hmm. before, like the first time we met. Yeah. What makes something good, what makes something bad, um, you know, and. I kind of, I think I may have said to you that I don't think there's such a thing as like Like bad bad art or bad music. And (laughs) we had like a disagreement about that, but you know, it's really about like how, in what way something connects with something. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I am not the target demographic of like a 17 year old rapper that wants to put a song on TikTok, Mm -hmm. but if it resonates with other 17 year olds on TikTok, then I guess they have a successful song. And yeah. my opinion of that song doesn't matter in the same way that I wouldn't expect them to be mm-hmm. super interested in this, like, you know, melodic progressive death metal mm-hmm. song that I made. Right. People are going to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what? I don't, you know, what is this? This it's is all relative. Yeah. Right? It's so, yeah. It's kind of how we talked about, uh, cutting loose earlier, the cut loose period. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, there's two ways to look at it. There's a PC way, right? The politically correct way to look at it. Like, oh, nothing's bad. And as a like counselor, non-judgmental, everything's fine. But as an art, uh, an art critic, then you put on a different hat and be able to say, maybe that was kind of bad. Uh-huh. So the cutting loose period, right? The 17-year-old TikTok rapper who's making the song for the 17-year-old TikTok consumers. All those people listening to that stuff and enjoying that in that relative time may really be enjoying it. But then when they become the 25 year old after cutting loose, they may look back on it and say, you know, that was bad. Sure. So I don't know where bad exists, but I think it's there. I think it's really there. Cause I don't think that they're, they're still going to like this stuff in the future. Yeah. I think that like, you know, no matter what, anything that you're doing creatively, you have to get through a period of just doing bad content. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. Um, but I think that, you know, there's this, this rush to put out content now because of the internet. Whereas like when I was starting out as a musician, uh, I mean, I was young, there was no Instagram or Facebook or any, like there was no urgency for me to feel as though I needed to share this with anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, like I would show my friends at school, Mm -hmm. but there was no urgency to like share it with the world where now I feel like everybody feels like immediately like they have something and they got to get it out. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that question. If you feel like you want to put something out there, put it out there. Yeah. But also like, you know, first impressions do tend to stick. Like I know there are people that saw me like from my, like the hip hop side of things that I do that saw me play a show probably 10 years ago mm-hmm. and assume that I'm that same person creatively now. Yeah. When it's completely different. Right. Right. But first impressions stick. So that's one thing for like young artists that I would be very like, like just be aware mm-hmm. that like, you know, if you're going to decide that you want to continue to release music under whatever name you're releasing it under over the years, be aware mm-hmm. that like first impressions do last. And if you're not super confident in what you're doing now, it's better to just 
Mm-hmm. Wait until you are putting out product that you're confident in. That's why mask and uh, cartoons and stuff like that help. Like when you're releasing videos, like having the, the, the cartoon ones and then like Daft Punk with the mask and stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. They can be whoever they want. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, there's a lot of people who do that now, like just disguising themselves and stuff. Um, but I did want to ask about something like I'm like legitimately kind of concerned about music and where it's at. Okay. Like, it's a little confusing to me. Uh, just There's this phenomenon. I don't listen to a lot, like a lot of rap. Uh, well, I I guess I do. It's just the pool of rappers is just a lot smaller than the pool of music at large. So like I'm waiting on the same rappers to come out. J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, um, not Kanye anymore, really. <laughs> um somebody else oh like like some drake or something like that uh mac miller was one of my guys uh so i'm waiting for the same crop of people right i'm not waiting on like the 17 year old tiktok rapper but i listen to a whole different slew of music tenfold like i have a playlist of like alternative music that's like a probably up to like 1500 songs maybe maybe 1250 um i listen to a lot of music that i think is awesome I think it's really good. I think these songs would be hits if they got any play over here. I looked at Spotify and I looked at Coldplay's profile and it was like millions on millions on millions on millions of listeners. And then I would go to someone who I thought was on the Coldplay level uh, in terms of music quality and they didn't even have nearly as close. St. Lucia. You know St. Lucia? I know the name, but I'm not familiar with the music. Yeah, so I I went to someone comparable right in my head to the sound i'm like man saint lucia could rock crowd like they could really crush it and i looked and they didn't even have nearly as close amount of followers uh and then i thought about all right justin timberlake and then i thought of someone who's like similar but makes better music to me and uh jameson you know jameson i do not oh jameson's awesome jmsn um not even as close the amount of followers and the songs that i listen to are like much better than what i hear on the radio so so What's the concern? What are we listening to? So, <laughs> you know, this is kind of like a really unfortunate reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now with artists like a cold play. Mm-hmm. So this is all assumptions. So I shouldn't say it's a reality, but I'm yeah. pretty fucking sure that I'm correct in this mm-hmm. aspect they have the labels that represent these artists have a reputation to hold mm-hmm. and they need reputation is all based visually. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think a lot of the numbers that you see on Spotify, YouTube mm-hmm. are not real. Understood. Understood. You know, I mean like if you like, listening to like interviews with like a like Takashi 69 are you familiar oh yeah 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 okay so like you know in interviews i believe him and people around him have admitted to like whenever they would release videos when he was coming up mm-hmm. they would like pay for views to mm-hmm. boost the volume so like right, people right. were like oh wow like a million people watch this in a day i have to watch this mm-hmm. it like lends a certain credibility to you know yeah. what they're doing. I don't think this is any different than record labels. Like, you know, like 
way like so like now I've seen things with like bands where it's like, oh, if you buy tickets to this concert, right? A band's on tour. You buy tickets to the concert, you get a free digital download of their album. Mm-hmm. That album counts as an album sale mm-hmm. for so now they've sold yeah. X amount of albums. Right. But they really didn't. They sold concert tickets. Yeah. But it also counts as an album sale. And there's uh-huh. all this like goofy, tricky shit that people yeah. do. So I think in terms of like monthly listeners on like a Spotify account, I think a lot of that is just like playlist pumping and like because a lot of the playlists yeah. that are like very like highly sought after playlists they're all run by record companies or Those like people suck. that are people that are tied into things and that's why like a lot of the listeners that are coming through they may not even necessarily be seeking out cold play but mm-hmm. there's like they're on fucking 500 playlists that mm-hmm. like so people were unintentionally listening to cold play like yeah. they might go on a saint lucia playlist right but cold plays on that fucking playlist too <laughs> so now it's counting as a monthly listener and there's yeah. all these weird little gimmicky things that labels yeah. do and some like independent artists that are in control of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to answer the question, I think that it's probably more likely that sure Coldplay probably has more listeners than a St. Lucia, mm-hmm. but I don't think the numbers are as dramatic as it seems. Yeah. So the, the, the million, the million or 3 million to 50,000 isn't actually that. Sure. Probably like 50,000 to 1.5 million. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like the other thing too, with an artist, like a cold play, like you figure like they're probably like they're on all of these playlists that are just run by labels and people that get paid to do playlists. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're also probably on like playlists of like, American Eagle Outfitters and yeah. all these other stores, right? Where it's like, nobody's really listening to yeah. this music. It's just like, it's like background stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the 50,000 people that are listening to St. Lucia and seeking it out, the, a lot of those people are probably more genuine mm-hmm. fans than, yeah. I they, don't know. They, it, it, that phenomenon robs us too, the, the consumers that do like that stuff. Because when you live in a place like Pittsburgh, if the streams aren't coming from Pittsburgh, then the band doesn't come to play there. So I don't get to see the all the people that I listen to. None of them come here. Well, I don't think so much of that has to do with streams. A lot of that has to do more with um, the venues that are in Pittsburgh and the booking agencies that they work with. Mm. Um, a lot of the bigger venues in Pittsburgh, um, they have booking agencies that like exclusively book there. Like, mm-hmm. I think I heard through the grapevine recently, and this is like inside baseball, whatever. You can come knock on my door and I'll take down this podcast. But I think, <laughs> I think that Live Nation um, just got exclusive rights for the Roxian Theater. Okay. Which means every show that's going to be coming through the Roxian is going to mm-hmm. be run by Live Nation. Where's that one at? McKee's Rocks. Oh, I've never been that one. So they, they just opened up not too long. They opened up, I think in 2019, maybe late 2018. Is it big? It's a huge theater. It's a huge venue. Oh, like, like what, like what comparable to like, it was like Mr. Smalls. It's or? bigger than Smalls. Okay. It's, it's pretty big. Okay. Um, so a lot of big acts will be playing through there, mm-hmm. but every show that plays there is going to be run by live nation. So if you're a touring artist and Live Nation isn't your booking agent, then you're not going to play there. 
Like if okay. you're, and then you have like, like stage AE is promo West. Mm-hmm. So if you're an so artist you know that isn't on a promo West roster, because like you can look like if you look at artists that are touring, cause promo West and live nation, mm-hmm. they have their claws in venues all across the country. Okay. So it's kind of baked in where like, if you're an artist that tours for live nation, you're touring every live nation venue across the country. Yeah. If you work with promo West, you're touring all of the promo West venues. Interesting. So it's Interesting. more a matter of not necessarily like an artist, not wanting to come here because of streams. It's more or less just like, yo, like, you know, we have representation in a Cleveland venue or a Youngstown, Philadelphia, Bethlehem. There's like all yeah. these like weird areas outside of Pittsburgh that just work with different agencies. That's crazy, man. I, I, I didn't I didn't even know that. I think I was just watching like a documentary and there was a artist saying like uh, since they're independent, they, uh, yeah. had to, they had to do it that way. Sure. Like stream wise. Sure. But with that, like that, that's really interesting, man. I've seen like. Uh, just to touch on that, the point I was making before, I, I seen the XX, yeah, with uh, and and I think Sanfa opened up for him. You know Sanfa? Don't think about it too much, too much. No, no, really. Oh, he's on a Drake song. <laughs> Sanfa's awesome. He's like a black dude from like the UK. Every, okay. Everybody I listen to is like from the UK. Like most of the people I listen to, I don't know if Empire of the Sun's from there, but I listen to like Empire of the Sun. I listen to like Fleet Foxes yeah. and. Uh, I, I have no idea where these people are from, but a lot of them are from the UK, like Sone and uh, just so many people. But they uh, Sanfa opened up for the XX. Sanfa, I thought, was just as good. I, I thought Sanfa should have like his own show. Like it, 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 and he won't get his own show because nobody's checking for Sanfa. <laughs> like, but Sanfa is like mind-blowingly awesome. Yeah, I mean. It's kind of like like it's like players on a team, like a basket, mm. like a basketball team, right? Like there's, you know, there's there's a lot of good players on that team, but mm. only one of them is LeBron. Yeah. Only one of them is Michael Jordan. Only you know, or football, you know, whatever. You know mm. what I mean? So it's kind of like you want all of these like really really talented artists to get that same level of recognition, mm. but it's just not like feasibly possible just because there's there's only so much and like what makes an artist click and what makes one not click Mm -hmm. like i don't know what it is like you know it 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 never seems to make sense you know because like i hear stuff you know i've i can hear you know a dozen different bands that all sound exactly the same Mm -hmm. but yeah then yeah it's very obvious that like one of them is nobody's ever heard of this person and one of them is like you know has millions of followers online. Like you'll like there's sometimes there's big artists that like, you know, will get sued because like they sampled an unknown song or like plagiarized an unknown song and they got super popular off of this song that they ripped off. That was already written Mm -hmm. by an artist that nobody had ever heard of. And like, if people would have heard that song, even if they would have heard it, would it have been as big? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or is it because like, um, I don't know, like, uh, Billie Eilish, not say, I don't think that she was accused of this, but that's mm-hmm. just a pop artist because Billie Eilish sang this song. Is it because it's coming through the vessel of Billie Eilish that now you appreciate this melody versus yeah. it coming from somebody you've never heard of? Well, they kind of both win in that scenario, right? Because the, the the lawsuit usually like wins, right? And then they get a yeah. bit of cash. There's like they- yeah, it's just like there's 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 a lot more outside of like the art itself that I think when you're talking about pop culture, like you know, like 
what what is like the messaging of this band? What is their image? How do they connect with people? Mm-hmm. What is their team like behind the scenes? How much money are they willing to put into putting stuff out there? Because mm-hmm. I'm like I I fully believe that if you have if you have enough money and the right image, you can make anybody like anything with the right level of confidence. Really? Yeah. I it's kind of like fashion in a way. Like I'm not a fashionable person, yeah. but like you see people wearing ridiculous shit sometimes, but they own mm-hmm. it. And you're like, damn, like I can never wear that. I don't get it, but you look like you're getting it. And a lot mm-hmm. of people will je- get, like, they start to pick up these trends because like people look confident in those things. Right. I agree with that though. I agree with And you, I think music's kind of the same thing. I think there's just like some artists that are able to carry themselves with a certain level of just like, swagger for mm-hmm. lack of a better word where <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like this is weird but like outcast how in the world they've done some wild stuff but yeah. they were always very accepted because there's just an yeah. undeniable swagger yeah I, but i thought i there's there's some of their stuff was very different and brand new to the air and it was actually good whereas uh I agree with what you said because I do think that there's a lot of stuff out there that, um, relative to my opinion, isn't the greatest stuff, but it is killing it. It is just killing it. I would have to look. Like, if I go on a Today's Top Hits playlist, I, I'm i probably only going to like, like, 25% of the yeah. songs on there. There's almost, there's like there's also, like, so much more music to listen to. Like, when I was in high school, there was no spotify playlists or youtube Mm -hmm. or like the idea of like independent art it was much different than what it is now so it was like the only time i ever heard about new music was maybe you see a video on mtv Mm -hmm. maybe somebody has this weird burn cd that they brought to school with (laughs) something that they ripped off of limewire you know like that's the only way i'm finding out about underground shit now like it's not very hard to find Mm -hmm. way too much music you know, yeah. so there's just so much that it it's it becomes an option paralysis sort of situation, at least for me, where, you know, like, I don't know always where to begin or what to listen to. And because I'm like always trying to catch up with things, I don't find myself even giving the same amount of attention to everything as I used to. Mm-hmm. You know, like in high school, it was like I got this new CD and I'm going to listen to the CD because I have nothing else to listen to. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, oh, I'll listen to this album that somebody put out once and then I'm on my phone. I could see I have access to a thousand other albums. So mm-hmm. I'll listen to something else. And maybe I I forget about music so much quicker now because yeah. it's just like lost in this thing. And like, sure, yeah. I can make a playlist of like stuff that I like. And like every time I'll go back and look at it, I'm like, holy shit, I forgot I even listened mm-hmm. to the song. Yeah, that's why I don't know like who's from the UK and who's not. Yeah. <laughs> because like I, my playlist is... It is so many different songs. But my, my bigger playlist is uh, all my playlists mixed in, all of my alternative music playlists mixed in. So I have one that's like more acoustic guitar bass, and then I have one that sounds like real live instrument band type, and then one that's more digital, more synths and stuff like that. One that's more synths with less percussion. And I just have them like smacked into one playlist. Um, and it's just growing. It's been growing since like 2013 or 2014 or something like that. Uh, but I don't ever have a time to intimately get to know the artists in these playlists. Yeah. So I don't know these uh, the singer's name. I don't know where they're from. I don't care. I just want to hear what's good. And uh, most of the time, like they'll drop an album like last year and I won't even know. Yeah. 
won't even know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I've found that sometimes where like, I'll go through my playlists. I try to do it like every year. Mm -hmm. I'll just have like, you know, at start of the new year and I'll start a new playlist so I can like kind of catalog mm -hmm. things that way. Sometimes I'll go back through and click on an artist and I've missed like two or three releases. And I'm like, yep. How did this happen? But it feels and like then, Christmas. Yeah, it's cool. But <laughs> then it's like, oh, I don't have time to listen to this. And right. then I just forget about it again. It's it's all, again, too much. It's all yeah. too much. Yeah. This camera doesn't work. It's all too much. <laughs> it's all too much. Well, you know, I think with all of, all of that being said, I think that we should pull the train around the station mm -hmm. and wrap this up. Cool. We've been going for we've been going for a good bit. I feel like we've had a good talk, a good variety, good variety of topics, a good diverse <laughs> conversation. I thought you had a special word of variety, <laughs> a variety, a yeah. good variety. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything that you want to want to tell the people of the internet before we uh before we get off the train here? No, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm just uh, <laughs> like, really, I'm appreciative to be here. Yeah. I, like, I like doing this stuff. Like all I do is listen to podcasts every day. So if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, watching it or anything like that, like, uh, thank you. Cause, uh, I mean, we are people who allow people to keep doing this. And I think that media is going to keep, um, evolving. Uh, I got a bold prediction to lay down. My bold prediction is that, uh, it'll keep evolving um to the point where you you see spaces now right this uh like twitter spaces uh clubhouse yeah, those yeah. types of things yeah i think that that is about to about to become the next thing like so many people are like i'm going to start a podcast you know and don't get to the point where you're at but and it's become so popular and everybody it's going to become crowded and i think that the those spaces people are going to start to create like serious communities uh and communities with like ads in it and that's my that's my bold prediction for the future okay is that clubhouse and twitter spaces and all that stuff people are just going to be going to hang out with people with ads <laughs> <laughs> seriously i'm telling you well i don't know if that sounds cool or not but yeah, none i mean <laughs> yeah yeah cool well all right with all of that being said that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here one more time. Jehosha Wright, thank you. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2021. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done. Peace. That was a podcast. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. We did it. <laughs>